Hello, this is Louise Wiles, co-host of the Successful Student Transitions podcast, and welcome to episode 51, which is the seventh episode in the series for parents and carers, family change at university transition. This series runs in parallel with a series for students who are starting out on their first university experience. As we thought about their transition experience, we realised that this move to university in a more independent lifestyle is also a transition experience for parents, carers and families as well. So this series is designed to support you as you step into this new experience of an empty or emptier nest. Now, some of the inevitable challenges your young adult will face at university will be of the academic variety. This is totally to be expected as they're stretched and challenged to learn in new and hopefully exciting ways. Being on the receiving end of a panic call can be challenging for us as parents. Yep, we've both been there. And today we share five tips that we hope will support you to support your young adult in a helpful and positive way. So hello and welcome to episode seven of this series, Family Change at University Transition. And today we're going to be talking about five tips for supporting academic challenges. So as parents, we're exposed often to the extremes of our kids' lives or young people's lives, the highs and the great successes and the lows and struggles and the emergencies. (laughs) So what happens when you are on the end of the phone and discussing an academic emergency with your young adult. How can you best support them? We're going to talk about that in the five tips, but let's start by talking about some of the potential emergencies that you might face. And we wonder whether you recognise any of the following. So the first is academic academic disappointment. You know, you may have a straight A, A star student who is suddenly not so hot at university. Um, They won't be the only one with those grades. If they've gone to a university that draws from that population with AA stars, then they'll be surrounded by not just one or two, but literally hundreds of people of that level and that calibre, which can be quite overwhelming. And that sort of feeling of academics, of challenge and perhaps disappointment, can also be linked to fear of failure and perfectionism. They may feel that they're never good enough, good enough, not doing enough, or that they can't get anything wrong. You know, what if I get it wrong? What if I fail? You know, the world will come to an end. And this is a challenge when working out new standards at university and you know, knowing where to gauge the effort. You know, how much effort do you have to apply? And it can lead to some students overreading, over-researching, overworking, never knowing when to finish or stop, and never quite getting it done, and therefore piling on the pressure onto themselves. And that can all lead to a high level of academic anxiety. And as well as leading to excessive studying, it can also mean that young know, adult procrastinates and suddenly finds that they're giving themselves reason not to, to do the work, to avoid it at any cost, because it is so uncomfortable to have to think all those thoughts through. Anything else, Elizabeth, that comes to mind in terms of academic emergencies and challenges? Well, it might be that this new place for them is just so tantalisingly exciting with all these new people. <laughs> and. So maybe they're not getting down to any studying at all. 
because they're too busy doing, you know, all the other stuff. They're socializing by night and sleeping by day. And the other thing, you know, we have to remember that there's certainly a lot of more free time and this expectation of self-study, which can lead to no study. <laughs> you know, you're having to organize all of that yourself where you've never really had to do that before. And that's another reason why procrastination can set in because it's really hard to get down to it. Um, and because there's not so much of that face-to-face -face work, it might be harder to feel that you belong to somewhere and be part of that academic community. So you might feel a little, you know, your, your young adult might feel a little bit detached from that. I think it takes time to build that attachment and that connection. Um, so if they are, then encourage them to give it more time. I think also there's the challenge of organisational challenges, you know, um, you know, this is a function of their new lives and the challenge of fitting everything in, creating the routine that they need. And if they're burning the candle at both ends, then it's it's challenging to get that right. And that's part of the learning experience, of course, as well. So it's not all bad. There might also be some people who are just saying, well, I'm bored. You know, this course is not all it was advertised to be. There's lots of repetition of A-level content. Perhaps some of the lecturers are not that great. And that's you know, true. Some lecturers aren't great. And you kind of have to live with that. And some of the, rep the some of the course content may be repetition because the university is aiming to bring everyone up to the same level. But things will move on in term two. Often things suddenly accelerate. And maybe you're just not hearing from your young adult as much as you'd like to. So you have no idea what's going on academically. And that can be just as challenging. You may also have your young adult talking about having made the wrong decision, wondering about quitting or changing courses. And we're not going to discuss that particular issue today. But if that is the case, then we refer you to the student podcast that we created for students, episode 47, where we talk about tips for dealing with that and thinking that through. Yeah, so, I mean, all these challenges are have varying levels of seriousness attached to them. And so it can be difficult to, for you to gauge as a parent when and how to intervene, how to support, what to say. And we know that in that first term for most students, that change and challenge comes alongside the exciting new things. So our five tips today will be about addressing this when they're well into their first term. And perhaps it's in your mind about thinking about addressing and talking to them when they come home for the extended break. And we'd suggest it's likely better kind of to do it face to face in home and hopefully that kind of safe place that you're offering for them. So our five tips today are for supporting your young adult with academic challenges. So Louise, lead us into tip one. Okay, so tip one is all about reminding yourself of the parent you want to be. Um, you know, we both know from our personal experience as parents, it's so easy to want to jump in with well-meaning -mean, advice. You know, we can see exactly what's going on. <laughs> you know, we can see that the work's not getting done when the work should be getting done. And of course, we've got the solution. Just get down and do the work. Um, but we need to be really careful because, you know, often yeah, having that kind of approach and making that 
um, suggestion is just going to hit um, stony silence and just, you know, your, your, your young adult is not going to appreciate it. Um, you know, for some situations, and I'd say, you know, ones where you have your adult suffering from extreme anxiety, I think we probably do need to get all involved as parents. And I think intuitively you'll know that you need to do that. Um, but equally intuitively, you'll probably know when actually probably should be stepping back. And some of those times when stepping back might be the right place would include, you know, thinking about the fact that our adults are more capable than we probably think and giving them that space to show us and and perhaps having an expectation and holding that for them. Recognising that academic concerns are part of the adjustment process and they do need to learn to study independently. So having us on the end of the phone saying, what are you doing this week and when you're doing it and how you're doing it is not helping that at all. And recognizing also it's not supposed to be easy. You know, our students, our young adults will struggle at times. You know, they're not, they haven't gone to university to do something easy. If it were, why would they be spending all this money on the course? So at times it will be challenging, at times it will really stretch them. And that is probably good. That's why they're there. If it gets to the worst case scenario and your young adult doesn't do much work in their first year, they A, won't be the first and they may have to retake exams and they won't be the first to do that either. And many do and live to, to, to carry on and see another day at university in year two. So don't get too worried about that either. I think asking a few timely questions is likely to be much more effective than daily nagging. And at this stage, you know, we need to recognise they are still just settling into university. It takes time to settle. And it's really helpful, I think, to give them the space to work things out for themselves. Yeah, a really good thing for us to learn. We <laughs> sit on our hands sometimes, don't we? And something we've talked about before is about getting to that role of consultant with our young adult that resists the diving in and sorting things out, trying to tell them what to do fixing things. So what do you do instead? So a really helpful thing is to know about your values as a parent with your young adult at this stage of their development. It's important that you take their needs into account and that you you work through in with them. It's a kind of a joint process. Um, I like this this question, what can a parent do you want to be? at this particular stage in their development. It'll be very different from when they were babies, you know? So if you know this, it'll help you do the things that are congruent with the values. It's what I would call guided valued action. So the values you hold will influence what you do and how you and how you do it. So, you know, um, if there were some academic issues and you you're have a value in that, you know, it's really important for my young adult to understand and develop things from themselves, that they're learning and they're making their own mistakes. It's important for them to be able to do that. You know then that you're going to discuss things with them. You'll, you'll raise issues, you'll talk jointly with them, and you'll do it in a way that supports them as learners and supports you about the parent that you want to be. 
And you might have to prep for this because your your gut reaction would be that fixing one. And we have to think, well, you don't want to be the fixing parent. You know, in an ideal world, I think I'd want to be the calm and approachable parent, the parent where any topic can be discussed. And importantly, if there were worries or, or issues around, you want to know that they can bring anything to you. And that parent would listen without judgment and validate them, validate the difficulties, the challenges that we're having. And of course, when you do this, what happens is you you can you create connection and conversation. And hopefully, you know, it would lead to some joint problem solving together. So it's kind of the opposite of trying to fix stuff. What about you, Louise? What what are kind of <laughs> what are your values as parents as a parent? Yes, I mean all the things you said, but <laughs> I know I do have to sit on my hands quite a bit and stop fixing and leaving i'm better at it now now my daughter's in year two leaving her to make decisions i think for me it's a bit like walking alongside and being there to support when they kind of reach out their hand and just need to hold hold yours for a bit but then letting it go perhaps being the support sounding board but generally yeah not doing it for them anymore and it's really interesting to see how my daughter has developed in the last year from that and the confidence that comes as well as they begin to discover that oh I can resolve these situations and sort things out for myself so I think it's really important you know just to conclude this first tip um to sort of reflect when your young adult brings something to you or has brought something to you in the past were you able to do it in a way that your values were enacted so just kind of think back and think about how you did respond and what you did do. And if not, if you had to do it again, what would you do differently? You know, once you thought through what your values are, what would you do differently? So tip two, Elizabeth. Tip two is we build muscles from challenge. So I was going to say, I think it's like, that's like, I really like that phrase. So it's really good for you to remember and remind your young adult that if there is a challenge, you're learning. It's the stretch that comes with thinking about new things. Some things that might be useful to be curious about together. So again, if we're going along with that adult, that's that's one of your values is being curious. Sort of notice it's about exploring things together and not telling. It can be easy to find yourself overwhelmed in threat mode with fight and flight and that freeze response. But this overwhelm can come particularly strong if the difficulty is something important to us. It can bring rise to feelings of not being able to cope and seeing everything out of reach. You might be asking them and explaining this to them and think, might you be comparing yourselves with others? Might this be something that's happening? So it's good to kind of explore that challenge that's that that muscle that's growing with the challenge yeah yeah and I think it's it's really useful to ask yourself is this threat and overwhelm or challenge that you're seeing in your in your young young adult um because I think often when you get that panic phone call they're in a threat response usually 
and as a parent at that point I'll yeah, ask some questions and, and see if I can help them to calm down rather than um, joining in with the, the anxiety although it's quite important to take a step back and not go down that route there's an author of a book called Put Happiness to Work called Eric Karpinski and he says that it might be helpful to think about stress as being on a continuum between threat and challenge so if you think of drawing a line at one end you've got threat and the other you've got challenge and academic challenges may as we've said as Elizabeth just said create a threat response but it is more helpful to approach the situation differently with what he Eric would call a challenge response the difficulty is still there but rather than seeing the situation as one to fear it helps to see it as a challenge to lean into and learn from And the idea is to try their best and see that their efforts will make a difference. Um, And I think the important thing about this kind of response is that it activates a different set of body processes. So rather than you having that threat response, that is a sort of raising of cortisol levels and the shutting down of their rational, critical thinking capabilities, if you take a more challenge-based response, there is more energy and oxygen going to the brain. And that means that they are more able to process information and see the big picture and act in a better way. So I think it's really important that students and our young people and everyone, including us, is to recognize that stress isn't inherently bad. Sometimes we can think it is, oh, I'm stressed, it's so busy, but it's not necessarily bad. And that we can actually shift ourselves from a threat to challenge response. We can actually do that ourselves. And you can do that by asking them questions such as, well, okay, I can understand that's a challenging situation. Let's think a little bit here. You know, when have you had to start something new or different or challenging like this before? And what did you do? You know, what knowledge, skills and strengths have you used in the past that you still have? They're still there and you can use them now in this new situation. And I love this one because it just gets them thinking and moving forward, moving away from the threat response. What is the one thing you could do to get started now? Just needs to be a tiny little thing. Often it just takes that little step to get that forward momentum going. Anything else to add on that, Elizabeth? I think, you know, the expectations we have have an impact on how we respond to challenge. You might be kind of thinking with them about and asking them what were their expectations about the levels of the academic work. Did they anticipate some challenge? Did they think it would be a stretch? Perhaps they set themselves really high expectations for academic success and it hasn't played out this way. It hasn't played out the way they wanted, maybe yet. You know, they're still at the beginning of this term. And the other thing I think it's good to know that's often taught in schools for parents to know about fixed and growth mindsets. Your young adults might be more familiar with this than you, but a growth mindset is the more positive thing to have. It's incredibly helpful in learning. Um, It comes, you know, learning comes with effort and commitment, trying things, being persistent and knowing that learning takes time versus a fixed mindset of I'm clever, I'm smart. Maybe they've been told this, or you're very clever, you're very smart. I have excellent A-level results. 
And so when challenge comes on the horizon, they often then find themselves in a threat mode. I'm not smart anymore. You know, what's happened to all my A-level results? And they want to avoid challenges because they have a fear of making errors and making mistakes. So they might even not want to try in the first place because they feel they've got a lot to lose. So a good thing, another good thing for you to do as a parent is encourage them to have a go, put in the effort, take on the feedback that they've been offered to encourage that growth mindset of embracing challenge. So let's go on to tip three, which is about monitoring our reactions. And, you know, we talked about sitting in your hands, feeling that this, that you could add to the chaos a little bit. So we're going to encourage you But in the midst of your young person telling you all the kind of stuff that's going wrong for them, to try and keep calm and cool. Not join in their overwhelm with them. Because if you add to their chaos, they'll feel it. And they might even then feel, well, if mom and dad get to see it as well, there might really be something to worry about. So panicking together is really not a great idea. So that calm value that we talked about, I want to be a calm parent, could be very helpful here. And how do you bring calm? Well, you know, our nervous systems are actually regulated by other nervous systems. They're co-regulated. And when people talk about self-regulation, there isn't actually a thing called self-regulation because regulation comes usually from parents first. And you, you might, if you're kind of in this world or you, you heard about these things talking about ventral vagal and actually this um, course that Louise and I were on last week, someone was telling us we're going to, before we start exploring this topic with you, we're going to get you in the ventral vagal, a safe and social, a place where there's not threat, a place where it's safe to discuss things. So that comes with a a soft and a slow voice, slowing your breathing down. So when you have someone dysregulated, your regulation will impact on them. And they can borrow your regulation. They can borrow it from you, which is a really good thing. So just trying a bit of breathing is is really useful. And the breathing I teach people, and it's linked to this this vagus nerves. It's called four, six breathing. And it's a good thing to do. If you know you're going into a situation when your young adult's going to tell you all this stuff about what's been happening, try and get yourself calm first. So it goes a little bit like this. It's called four, six breathing. Small number first, bigger number second. So you will breathe in for a count of four. So we go in two three, four, and hold. And then I usually say, you can't see me, but I usually then say to people, blow out like you're blowing out my birthday candles. If I'm working with an 18-year-old, I'm certainly certainly blowing out more than, than you know, 18. Um, <laughs> and so then it goes out, two, three, four, five, six. And I would do that a number of times. So it'd be in, two, three, four, and hold. And out, two, three, four, five, six. 
So it's a really good way to get yourself regulated, to kind of monitor your own reactions. So if you get into that safe and social bit, you're likely more able to deal with their um, issues and their and not get hooked about it and have that rational conversation with them. And when they get into that state too, when they borrow from you, they might be more able to take on another perspective and see possibilities and even start to problem solve. Mm. Yeah, I can second that. It's a highly effective method, (laughs) one I have used. Okay, so tip four is pressure points. And this is all about avoiding being one. Now, I know from personal experience too, you know, it can be natural to have sort of natural inclination as parents to ask questions that unwittingly make our students feel a sense of guilt, regret, you know. So what happened? What what did you do last night? So you didn't get to doing that assignment that you were talking about doing. So what's happening now? You know, by doing that, we're A, not helping them think it through and B, we're probably getting them to feel guilty and annoyed with us. So I think it's really important to think about the questions that we're asking and not to ask questions that we probably already know the answer to already. Um, yeah, that's not helpful. It doesn't add anything to us in informational perspective that we don't already know. And it certainly doesn't help our young adult. And it's likely to sort of add pressure and close down any conversation and also prevent them from requesting our help which is really what we want we want to keep that open channel so when they really are stuck they do feel they can pick up the phone and say I need some help to think something through to sort myself out here I think there's this whole issue with young adults around perfectionism there's a lot of evidence to suggest that perfectionism is growing and it really is not helpful you know from an academic perspective it narrows down our ability to to see things you know we can't see the forest from the trees we don't see the big picture we focus on small detail we tend to ruminate there's self-shaming that comes with perfectionism because we don't feel we've reached those exacting standards and we feel we're a failure often there's no self-compassion we're not able to at those times when we're perfectionism is taking over to be self-compassionate we're very critical of ourselves we certainly don't look at the opportunity to learn from mistakes and all of that can mean that we tend to close down not stretch ourselves so much because that's a challenge because if we're stretching ourselves and we've got to be perfect and boy that's hard work so we tend to stay safe in new territory just avoid risk-taking um, and staying in our comfort zone. And all of this impacts on learning and it's detrimental to our sort of development, if you like, as, as students and, and to that adult life. And you know, there's lots of questions around why perfectionism is, is, is growing. And some of the reason is around social media and what we're fed through social media and sort of social comparison that we make constantly. Um, But Adam Grant, author of a new book called Hidden Potential, says research shows that perfectionism was on the rise pre-social media, so pre the 1990s. And so it can't all be attributed to social social media. There are other factors involved, too. And unfortunately for parents, he kind of points the fingers at us because he says that there are other factors that relate to parental behaviours. 
And one of them is rising parental expectations, you know, holding our kids to sometimes impossibly high standards, and then harsh criticism when the standards are not met. And I think tied up with that is seeing our kids as their results, as their university choices, rather than seeing our kids as the, the characters that they are, seeing the strengths that they hold and you know the, the positive characteristics that are the skills that actually are going to help them to achieve long term anyway. It's not the grades that they achieved before, it's you know, how they go about studying that's really important. And, but the reason why this has been increasing and why he points the finger at parents and then says but it's not really parents' fault, it's just the way our economy is going, the level of competition for uni places, for jobs. You know, we all see as parents that there is this competition, that there is this challenge. And we see the, the only solution to be, you know, well, to have, encourage our kids to be the best they possibly can be. And of course, we want them to do well. I'm not saying that we don't, but the way that we sort of develop them towards that, I think, is really important. And I think it's really important that we think about what we're communicating to our parents around doing well and being good at what they're doing. So I think, Elizabeth, you've got some points there around, you know, how we can help parents to think about this. So as well, it maybe goes back to our values thing, isn't it, as well, about thinking about the parent we want to be, thinking about if you've got expectations um, about how you want them to progress and and how you want to them to develop an education, you have to think about how that's communicated to them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about encouragement, encouraging the things you see, encouraging even effort or persistence, and not criticism when they get, you know, grades that you would have thought they would have not got. And again, I think I agree with Louise, it's about focusing on their character. You know, what characteristics do they display that are positive and life enhancing that you would want to amplify and encourage um, so that they could use it across lots of areas of their life, not just work. And also encourage them to recognize positive outcomes can take time you know, to evolve. They're not going to be overnight successes. You might have stories yourself that you can tell them that this is how long it took me to do this and these were my stepping stones and this is, and then I was not back, you know, all those other times, but this is what I kept going. So, you know, you'd have to know that deliberate practice is the secret, keeping going and trying, not being too, um, sort of obsessive and perfectionist about it, but to have a kind of nice balance of, yeah, I tried this and then I went back again and I did it. So you you have to know that it's all right to make mistakes and fail, provided you're learning from it. So there's there's lots of good ways that you could be thinking about how you are enacting those things that you want to be as a parent. Um, and when you're thinking about how you want to be as a parent, you also have to be thinking with your young adult about how they want you to parent, you know? So there's another side to that. And I think I've told this story once before in one of the podcasts, and it's one of my favourite ones. It was a, a friend of mine. Her daughter was getting married. And so they were going this pressure thing called wedding dress shopping. And the mum decided she needed a strategy and they needed a strategy to work it together 
And so she said to her young adult, what kind of parent do you want me to be? You know, and she gave us her choice. She said, do you want me to be the parent that says, that dress doesn't really suit you. I don't really like the sleeves. Oh, that's a bit too tight. That's a bit too low, too much lace. Or do you want me to be the parent that says, gosh, you look absolutely beautiful. You are stunning. You are amazing. And when the parent took this opportunity of saying to their young adult, how do you want me to be? Well, you likely can guess what they said. They said, in the first shop, I want you to be that that parent that just tells me I look great because this is a new experience for me and I'm going to be nervous. I don't really know how I'm going to do it. It's going to be quite, it's going to be quite revealing for myself. And then after that, you can give me some, you know, we can work out how the dresses that are going to look good in me. So it was a really good kind of way of getting into that consultation mode. How this is how I want to be, but how do you want me to be? So a nice really sort of give and take about developing relationships. Um, and I know that, you know, when you're thinking about, you know, when you see these pressure points in, with your young people, it could be, what what do you want from me? To, how can I help you? Um, are there things that I can do to help you? Or do you want me to leave you with on your own with this? And I know that, you know, some parents and, and their, you know, first year students work together over the holidays, maybe in the same room, they stop for lunch. They, they kind of set up some good routines to get together. Um, and so that was a good thing. But it also could be that you would help them find the person at university that they could ask for help there. So you could encourage them. There might be some resources available or some links for some support. And if you look at a lot of websites, usually they're littered with all of this sort of stuff. So there, there will be lots of support at universities and maybe maybe that's the option about helping them find it there. Brilliant. Tip five, I please. Yeah, I love that story. And I think that's a really great sort of example of, of yeah, negotiating that relationship together. Fantastic. Right, tip five, routines for work and around work. Um, yeah, routine's a word that I I kind of have an internal ah to, and probably quite a lot of our young adults do too, but it is quite important and it doesn't have to be a rigid routine, but just to have some rough idea about what's happening and when. And, you know, it, if needed and wanted, it could be good to explore what's already good and working well, you know, what are good study habits. Perhaps there are things from school um, that they could carry over and use at university, remembering that it's still early days in settling in and setting up helpful work and study routines. Of course, there's likely been a lot of socialising and settling in in other ways. So I think being heavy handed on this isn't helpful at all, but just some gentle guidance might be helpful. Again, there are quite a lot of good resources that you can look up online um, from universities, look at university websites. You can check out Sage's super quick skills booklets, which offer some step-by-step -step guidance on key skills like managing the time, planning essays, giving great presentations. And there's also a really great book by Gareth Hughes called Be Well, Learn Well, 
I really highly recommend it. It's a good read for students. It's a great resource. It gives them lots of study skill tips about you know, quite a big focus on the academic side of this experience, just but written in, in a very accessible way. And if you want to, you can go back and listen to podcast 34 because that provides lots of ideas for work, planning and organisation and perhaps direct your young adult there too. And as well as work and study routines, it's important to explore other routines. So the things that we called fundamentals earlier in the series, things like sleep, movement, eating well, rest, getting involved in university life, friendships and societies, ensuring that those are built into the routine as well. And there's a balance there, a healthy balance. So it's all about trying to build a balanced time at university and something that your young person will need to check in you know, and ask themselves, how am I doing? And what changes could I make to improve things if I want to? Um, but just worth guiding them in that if you feel that they're not getting to grips with any routine. Of course, some students will be on top of it and that's absolutely great. So thank you so much for listening today. That's the end of this episode. Let's just remind you of those five tips. So tip one, remind yourself of the parent you want to be. Tip two, remember that we build muscles from challenge. Challenge can be good. Tip three, monitor your reactions as a parent. Tip four, pressure points. Think about what those might be and avoid being one yourself. And tip five, support your young adult to develop good routines around work. Thanks so much for listening. We both know how challenging parenting can be at this age and stage and hope that these five tips will support you in some small way. So we've just celebrated our 50th episode, now 51, including this one. And so in our next episode, Elizabeth is going to share her five favourite pieces of content. I wonder whether you can guess what those might be. That will be episode 52. And then in episode 53, we'll publish the last episode in this series for parents and carers. As your young adult settles into their more independent lifestyle, we reckon it's time for you to have a bit of me time and think about what comes next for you. So we're going to share five tips for looking to the future and crafting your next steps. Finally, some exciting news. We've just launched our Instagram account for successful student transitions. So please go and find us and follow us. That would be fantastic. We'd love to see you there. Just search successful student transitions. So that's all for now. Thanks for listening. We hope you have a great week. Bye-bye for now. And now for the legal bits. The information contained in this podcast is for information purposes only. The content is not intended to act as a substitute for professional advice. Please do not delay in seeking professional help for any medical or mental health condition. Use of the information on this podcast and associated materials is at the user's own risk.